Hey, Fungal Banner fans, we're back with another episode of your Pacific Northwest Fungal Banner podcast. I am Eric Sorensen here in Big Country Studios in Ellensburg, Washington. Going to be joined by Jason and Kelly any minute now. Dynamite episode today. Brian Champion, head coach at Centennial High School in Boise, Idaho. Dive into a lot of how to build your communities in the baseball, how to build your high school program with your Little League program and being seen in the community and getting, getting support from your community. And we love it. This was a great episode. Breakdown. New head coaches and high school level. Get into this thing, man. Take some notes. It's great. Hope everybody's having a great kick to the new year. Hopefully you survived the ABCA convention. I know I was really thrilled about that. Couldn't turn it off all weekend long. Guys, keep reaching out to us. We're going to put more social media posts out there. We love the responses. We're loving the feedback we're getting. It's great. Please get on iTunes. Rate and review the podcast. We really appreciate the loyal listeners. And like I ask at the end of this thing, find a friend, send them a text saying, hey, I've heard this podcast. Check these guys out. We really appreciate that. Just wanting to grow the Fungo Banter family one person at a time. Guys, that's enough for me. Let's bring on Coach. What's up, Banner fans? This is Tanner Swanson from the New York Yankees. You are listening to the PNW Fungo Banter Podcast. Go Yanks. Well, Banner fans, we're back with our guest this week. Real excited to have him on. Brian Champion, Centennial High School, Boise, Idaho, head coach. Thank you for joining the Fungo Banter tonight. Hey, thanks for thanks for having me. I you know really, really, really privileged to be here. It's kind of it's this is a great thing. So it's a lot of fun. Hey, we appreciate that. I know it's a lot of fun just getting to talk baseball. Yeah, the great thing is about it is it allowed me to start thinking about all the stuff that I got to get get done and get ready to go because <laughs> spring's coming. Yeah, yeah, that list so, has been made. <laughs> kind of panic. No matter mode. how you prep and how you plan, it seems like it always sneaks up on you, and you're like, okay, got to get going. Absolutely. Well, so, super the, excited. The first question we always ask everybody: What's your favorite fungo? Okay, this this is a great question because I tend to go through a, or I used to go through a whole lot of fungos because um, <laughs> somehow or another they'd get nicked, get bumped, they'd get broke. I, I don't know, break over your over your knee or I don't know, just uh, what have you. But my new favorite fungo is the uh, Easton. I have an Easton um, North American Maple fungo. It's two toned and it's it's a little bit heavier and it has good weight and it allows just a smooth stroke. I don't have to, you know, that I'm getting older. It's nice and easy and it puts the pop on the ball and it, and the ball just jumps off it. And so I've, I've really enjoyed it. And this one's lasted, you know, years. So I'm, I'm pretty excited that, uh, I get, I get to stay with my Easton maple maple. So that's that, that is my favorite in comparison to the ones I've had in the past. I think that's key when you have a fungal that lasts for a while. Cause you get attached oh. to it and then it breaks and it's like, you just broke up with your girlfriend a little bit. <laughs> oh, it's hard. It's yeah. hard. I mean, it's like, it was, it was very depressing. The, uh, the fungo that I had for a decent amount of time when I first started coaching and then we, when we won our, our state title and you know, I was going to retire it and put it on. I was like, no, let's get it one more year. And did a, and then I broke it. It's like, <laughs> Oh, I think I put it on the edge of a batting cage somehow or, oh. and, uh, I don't know how and it just chipped. And so, I mean, we, we taped it up and we put it on the shelf. So it, it's, it's got its, its prestigious place, but, um yeah just uh some of those lighter type fungos just tend to i mean they look great and they're 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 easy to swing and they're, they're smooth but I, don't know, I think i'm just too hard on things so i gotta i gotta find something with a little more a little more weight to it <laughs> absolutely well talk us through you know the the path in coaching is always a fun story and some of the steps that led you to taking the helm there at centennial um it's actually a, a kind of a 
an interesting trip. I kind of just in, in, in stumbled across an, an opportunity here at Centennial. I was, I was uh, coaching in Oregon for about 12 years. I was at Sprague High School, um, and it was, you know, a program that, you know, you talk about, you put everything into, and I never thought I was going to leave. And, you know, we'd built, you know, I felt was kind of like a machine every year that we were going to make a run and we had great, great players and, and a, a great community and a, you know, a, a great school and every, the support was huge there. Um, but you know, life sometimes takes some crazy turns and, you know, my wife's work is, uh, she ended up having an opportunity or was told that we needed to move and be, be transferred to, to Idaho. And, uh, it was, I mean, it was, it was a tough decision. It was sad. I mean, it's like teacher salary, which, you know, is, is huge versus, you know, her, her, uh, her income. Um, in terms of helping helping the family and support the family, but the timing was right for our kids, and so we ended up moving here. And I just thought, well, you know what? I'll just assistant coach somewhere. I'll, I'll meet people because it was we moved mid mid year, and so it was actually January, <laughs> eight years tomorrow, in fact. Um, and so when we got here, there just happened to be a job at Centennial High School, and I was like, oh, are you kidding me? A baseball job open, and it's and it was you know for a head varsity job. I'm like, okay, what am I getting myself into? Um, so I talked to the people and I talked to the, and, but it was an opportunity to start fresh. And so, and to just jump right back into baseball. And, and for me, that's always been my security blanket, if you will, is being at the ball field, being able to coach, being around kids. And so it just seemed like, all right, the stars align and there's this opportunity. You know, I knew that my work was going to be cut out for me a little bit and, but I'm real excited at how we've grown in eight years. And, and that's how I kind of landed the job at, you know, at Centennial. Coach, that's awesome. You had a chance to now be at two different high schools. And I think just about every high school coach we've had on here has at least experienced a couple different programs in their in their coaching tenure. But but talk a little bit about the differences between your time in Oregon and now in, in Boise. And, and more importantly, I think for a lot of coaches out there, to be in a position where you get a job super late in the game, you know, that process where you get hired kind of late, whether that's you know, in the fall or the, or the spring, right before season start, how do you manage that transition? Excellent. Okay. So the, the program that I inherited it at Sprague high school was, you know, it had like a, a pretty good history, but they were on a little bit of a rough patch and uh, we kind of took over and the, you know, the coach that was there before me had done an excellent job. He's in the Oregon hall of fame and in Baumgartner and, you know, he's a great fella and he had some health issues and I ended up taking over the program and, you know, the first thing we did there is we jumped right into the little league and said, all right, we got to build our kids from the ground up and, and get them, get them going. And so our kids would go to the little league and, you know, the, the little league in the area that supplied our school actually changed their name from, you know, I think it was Battle Creek Little League to Sprague Little League. And then they were wearing our colors. And so they were wearing the black and the orange. And, and uh, this was just an awesome opportunity for us to, to grow from way down and have the kids be a part of. And so I would have my my high school kids go down to the little league at least once a week and just help out at practice, you know, and make connections. And I mean, that was, that was a huge, huge piece of, and of getting kids excited about playing baseball there in, in the South Salem area for Sprague. And from that standpoint, you know, we do camps, we do clinics and we just have tons of kids and we, we just, you know, supply them with information and then the coaches would come and we'd have tons of coaches, you know, and dads trying to help their kids. And it was just, it was just a neat community atmosphere that, that we had kind of created there and uh, people were really bought in and, 
you know, we got rolling and, you know, three years into it, we, you know, we, we got over 500 and then we, then we, you know, made it, made a challenge for, uh, for the districts or the end of the state. And we finished up, you know, year three, you know, we were blessed with <laughs> a great group of talented players, you know, by led by Joey Wong, who is a, a player that ended up at Oregon state and had great success and went on and played pro ball. And, but his group of friends and his people that, and the kids we had there just, I mean, they just set a tone and they, they just made it so that everyone wanted to go to Sprague. Everyone wanted to play baseball and we wanted, the expectation was, was set. And so it became kind of an oiled machine, you know, even though if, if we didn't have the best team or the best players, they knew how to compete and they knew what the expectation was. And we got better every single year and was allowed us to, you know, be a team that people really didn't want to play in a playoffs. And so, you know, even if, even if we were coming in as the underdog, you know, we didn't think of ourselves as an underdog. It was like, all right, we're going to, we're going to, we're going to knock, knock you off. You, you got to go through us type of deal. And so I was pretty blessed by, by that community and that group and, and, and that surrounding and that, those players there uh, moving to Centennial it's I mean you bring up a great point January I show up you know everybody's got the you know the next Derek Jeter and you're like oh, okay and everyone wants to be your buddy and, and everyone <laughs> wants to tell you about their you know how good their kid is and it's like that that's awesome I, I, I love to hear it I just want to go see it on the field um, but at the same time we didn't really have we didn't have a, an indoor place for them to practice we didn't have um, an outdoor facility. We had our field and there was like three feet of snow on the ground. And so, which I wasn't used to from Oregon, I was more used to rain, but so snow and cold made it really interesting. So you're, you're going into your season, trying to understand the league, trying to, to understand, you know, the who's who, where do your players come from? You know, how can I get back in touch with, you know, the, the little league programs to, uh, to help feed us in the future? Um, what's the history there at Centennial so that we can draw upon that? And I think, you know, the the first thing that we did is, you know, when I got there so late, it was like, all right, we're going to change the uniform scheme. You know, we're going we're gonna to get the kids something to be excited about, you know, to want to be out here, to be a part of. You know, I think we only had about 12 kids come out for varsity baseball. And I think two of them said they pitched. Well, we had three games a week. That kind of made it for an interesting, an interesting, <laughs> you know, start. So it was kind of like, can anybody else throw? Like, can just throw it over the plate. We need, we need something. Um, the program was down a lot. It, it had struggled. And um, I got my, my real first taste of, of that struggle when, you know, we played our first game and in our, in our first game, you know, we battled and we came close, but you know, we made a mistake here, a mistake there. It didn't execute on this, a certain portion. And we ended up losing by two or three runs. And afterwards, you know, where I, where I'd come from, you know, the expectation was, you know, Hey, we execute, we take care of business, you know, we're down about this and our kids related and I'm trying to figure out, well, why, why are you guys so excited? And, you know, one of the kids stepped forward, he's like, coach, you know, I'm really sorry. I'm like, what bond did we lost? But we're just really happy. We didn't get 10 runs. And it's like, Oh, so it was, it was a new, a new outlook as to what we were going to have to build and go back down to basics. And I think that was a huge piece was understanding your clientele, you know, getting all those coming in late, you really didn't have an opportunity to get on the field and get a feel for a lot of the kids. So you just kind of had to let them play and you had to take your lumps and to see where they see where they were. And then you can understand that. Okay. Let's have that hard conversation that this kid that is the shortstop is, is you, you're not the shortstop anymore. You, you need to, you need to move over to the corner. Um, and we're going to need to bring in a, maybe a young kid and, and someone that's a little bit and a little bit more consistent. So getting an opportunity to kids and get them through rec 
got them through drills and skills so that I could see what they could do was a huge piece in, in coming to Centennial. You know, we're, we're still, you know, learning that our area is we're, we're landlocked. So there's no growth in, in our area uh, for our high school. So we kind of get what we get from the, from the people that are already previously living there. And if, if somebody moves out and somebody moves in, it's kind of a, it's, it's not a huge growth area anymore. There was a time when it was, and if you know the history of Boise, you know, Boise just blew up like super fast. It went from, you know, fairly small to pretty good size. And, and, you know, we have five high schools all within a few miles of each other, um, you know, within five, 10 miles of each other that are you know, five, a schools, which is the biggest classification here. Um, went down to the little leagues, took my team, tried to do the same thing that we did at, uh, um, at Sprague back in Oregon, go down there to try and make connections to get kids excited about, you know, coming to Centennial. And it was tough because a majority of the players were, were going to other schools and you had to build a whole new tradition and you had to break the stigma of, well, hold on this school, this school wins all the time. So we won't go there. And it's like, yeah, I understand that. And, but we're going to win. And that's going to be our goal is to eventually is, you know, we're going to build ourselves up and, and build your skills and you're going to get an opportunity to play here where you might not get an opportunity there. Um, but we don't have a true little league feeder either. So that's always interesting. So you don't really know who to go hit and who to go find. I think I we tried to run a camp and in Oregon, we ran a camp. We had easily in our age group about, you know, 70 to hundred kids at each age group came here and we had like five kids show up and I was like, Holy cow, this is, like, are we, did we not get the message out? How do we do this? And so it was a, it's a process and it's, it's been a process and it's been a, a growing process and a, a, a humbling experience too. Cause you know, I feel like everywhere we've been, we've been able to be successful in either playing and or coaching. And I feel now that we've really put a lot of time and effort into our kids and really breaking down our fundamentals. And we've grown our program from one team in the summer to three teams in the summer to, you know, just a few kids to carrying extra kids. And we, we try to carry extra kids on our team to give them a chance to develop and grow. Um, but our, our huge emphasis was getting them in and then skill work, just let's do foundational skill work over and over and over. And then let's, let's build upon that into a, a belief system. And so we started carrying these, I believe cards that, you know, I got a great, great idea from a coach back at Lebanon and Lebanon high school. He's a football coach there that he would, he would work these, I believe cards and the kids always had to carry them around. And, um, those cards were great because the kid always had to, you know, have something positive to say. So it was a lot of positive self-talks. We had to work their mental approach. And so we just had to, we had to change the whole culture and, and get the kids back on the, on, on the right page to want to be a part of here um, at Centennial. And I think we got that now. And I, I, am really excited about the groups of kids. I'm really excited about the growth that we've had. Um, we've been able to send kids off to colleges and, and get them to continue to play ball and watch them grow. And, and that's been a huge piece too. And that's, you know, as, as a coach, you're, you're super, super excited that you get kids that are, that get to go on and play and, you know, continue the love of the game and, and get to share it. And, um, it's, I mean, it was a tough transition, but I'm excited where we're going. Last year was was tough because we were finally, you know, and I, a lot of people say this, you know, going into COVID, oh man, this, this is going to be our year. <laughs> but it it really was a point to where we finally had, when we f- were first here, like I said, we had two two guys a pitch and we had three games a week and you're trying to get through and you got a pitch count and you got to get through things um, to where all of a sudden, you know, we're going eight, 10 guys deep on the mound 
and you could throw any guy out there at any time, any given day. And if it wasn't his day, you could rotate somebody else in there. And it was, it, it just made it a whole lot better and gave you that success and the camaraderie of the kids and the, 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 the buy-in and the, the work ethic and all the stuff that we preached, um, was, was finally coming to fruition. And then it got yanked from us and it was like, oh, okay, but that's all right. You know, we got, we got this year, which we're pretty excited about our group of kids this year. And, uh, you know, we're, it's, it's going to be a battle. It's going to be a competition, but I think we're headed the right direction. We've, we've slowly climbed out of the cellar to, you know, up to, you know, to the halfway, to the halfway mark to a little bit into the competition, every, every single game, you know, to someone that's going to compete for, you know, the district title and, and, and our kids expect that and want that. You know, coach, we, I think in every program, everybody wants to get to that point where it's a well-oiled machine, you know, and you were talking about that. You got to that point there when you were coaching at break for our listeners, how long did that take before you felt like you guys were there, um, there at Sprague high school? I kind of, I kind of feel like it was the, you know, three to three to five years, you know, cause you kind of have your kids that, that this is what you have. I mean, they're, they have, they're not really yours, you know, per se. And, uh, you know, the, you get some kids in there and a group of kids and we had to, you know, we had to make some, some decisions. You know, I remember somebody telling me that, Oh, you know, it's, it's break high school. We don't start a freshman. Mm-hmm. And I said, well, okay, well I'm going to, and I'm the guy here at, and his name's, and his name's Joey Wong. And so <laughs> he's, he's going to start, you know, I, the kid will save more runs whether he hits or not, it, it doesn't matter. His, his defensive ability is phenomenal. And he just ended up hitting, you know, about 350 as a freshman. And so it was a great, you know, that when you have kids that back up what you're trying to do that and that buy in and that, and they get other kids on board too. And I'm not saying he was the only one, but we, cause we had a, so I think we started three freshmen that first year. Um, and those kids just developed and they made the other kids work and they wanted it. And you know, you got to surround yourself with kids that are willing to do the work and that buy in. And none of those kids were, we had no selfish kids. They were all about the program, all about getting better and finding a way and, and getting an opportunity. And um, so I think that's, that, that's a huge piece is being patient too, is knowing that, okay, you might be taking your lumps because you're, you're physically um, not as mature as maybe some of the teams as you're starting up your new program and you got to be confident in your decisions, but at the same time, you got to be willing to say, you know what? Hey, I made a mistake here. I did this wrong. And you got to hone that up to your kids and say, Hey, I I made a wrong, I made the bad call here. That's on me. You know, if I expect you to take ownership, I got to take ownership too. Um, I'm learning you just like you're learning the game. And so you develop that rapport with kids and they buy into you, you buy into them and, and you know, you'd run through brick walls for each other. And that's kind of, it takes a little time to build that stuff. And I'd say the other thing that we really invested into was pushing our kids into weight training programs and getting them to get stronger and to really buy into lifting weights in the off season and then maintaining lifting during the season and, and joining um, like another sport like football and lifting in the summer as well. And so you, um, we really promoted multiple sport athletes and it was, it turned out to be, be really good. And we're trying to do a similar thing here at Centennial now too. Well, coach, I know that, uh, the people around you are very important, you know, within a community as well as within a program. And, uh, so I wanted to just ask you how important has the environment there at Centennial been with the community? I know you mentioned, 
uh, off air a couple of different things you guys have been able to do there at Centennial. Even you mentioned here that the things that you've been able to do at Sprague when you were there. And uh, what are some of those things that you guys have been able to, you know, accomplish and, and with the support of the community around you guys there at, at Centennial? Yeah, we've been we've been really blessed by our by our parent groups and uh, and the com community in general. Um, I, I found one thing like in, in Boise is that people really want to invest in you know like opportunities for their kids, and they, they want them to have those opportunities to play sports, whichever sport it might be. Um, and they're willing to to volunteer and to help out and take whatever skill set they have and apply it to you know they might not be the best in understanding the game of baseball, but you know, maybe they can build stuff and they want to help you build things. And so, you know, from, from, from that standpoint, I think it's important to, you know, get to know your parents a little bit too and find out, you know, what not only, not everybody can do financial support, but they have a skill set that, that can help you to, to achieve some goals. And, and as a coach, I think it's important to, to have something that you're shooting for, you know, each time, this is what we're fundraising for. Not only do we fundraise to, you know, for new uniforms and, and things, but, we want, we fundraise for a hitting barn, you know? And so we have like a, you know, $150,000 hitting barn that we paid $30,000 for, you know, cause we, we built it together and we built it as a, as a community and as a people. And so what started as a, as a pole barn, just a, just a metal shack to get us out of the snow and the rain turned out, turned out to be, you know, it's, it's insulated. It's got a heater, it's got a fan, it's got, you know, it's got the, the proper lights, it's got turf floor. Or it's concrete floor under that. And so it was just different people knew somebody and they said, Hey, I can help out with concrete if, and we can talk to someone. And then we just started building sponsorships into, into those things. And the next thing you know, we had this, this, this really nice hitting facility. Um, and then people are like, Oh, well, what are you going to do next? Well, our scoreboard, or our, not sorry, our scoreboard, our concession stand is about to, to fall down. Like, you know, you, you peel this one wall. It's, it's, it was the old two story, wood staircase upstairs um, with a concession stand with a refrigerator in it. And, you know, we just happened to have a group of parents that were involved in the, uh, in the, in the contracting business. And they're like, Hey, what can we do to, to make this happen? So that our kids and which is in turns makes money for our kids um, through, a, through having a nice concession stand and, and being able to charge throughout spring and the summer for, uh, for items and, you know, supplying and hosting tournaments and different things like that. So they were able to, through this parent group, which is a completely different group than, than before, um, they were helping us to build the concession stand, a concession stand with a press box up above it. And while they were building it, they kind of built us a team room right off the back of it. So they just said, Hey, we're going to take care of all of the space here. And so now we have a varsity locker room too. So, um, that was just another skill set, but we're just blessed by these, these groups of parents that are able to rally and are fundraising, but they have fun doing the fundraising too. Cause we do this big live auction, live auction slash dinner. So it's like a parent's night out. So everyone gets to celebrate each other. And it, it's been really, really fun. And it's given me an opportunity in my family to get to know a lot of people in various areas in the community and for them to buy into their kids and then to buy into us and then us to put, you know, if you, if you say, you know, a, a competitive product out on the field, if you will, and then have kids that are able to go on to college and um, either play in college or graduated high school because we held them accountable and they had a team and a place they were proud of to, to play for. Um, those are the, the great things that, that you look at. And 
um, you know, and to top it all off, then, you know, the, the, the third wave of people came through and next thing you know, we built this huge scoreboard. And so we have this nice immaculate scoreboard out there that's going to last for another 20 years versus the little bitty one that we had. So in a short period of time, you know, this is going into my eighth year. We've, we've resurfaced the field, you know, cause the, the group that I had first was great with their hands and, and wanted to do, you know, yard work and et cetera right there. So we resurfaced, resurfaced the field and, um, got a better playing condition, if you will, rebuild mounds and, and just put the look of the field just to make it feel good and homey. And so that it was like some place that you could be proud of, um, built a hitting facility, built a concession stand slash, uh, press box with team room, built, a, a, a scoreboard, um, nice nine inning full set scoreboard out there. And then this last, this last group of folks, um, they helped us raise money so that we turf the mound and home plate now. So, um, you know, if someone was to say, well, geez, what's your next project? I'm like, well, I turf the infield dirt. So then I don't have to worry about doing any dirt and, uh, we can grow grass here. We got, it, it works out pretty well, but you know, sometimes the, the weather and, uh, to get rid of mud and different things, it's, that, that would be the next thing. But, um, like I said, I've been very blessed by the people in our community and a lot of it's just going out and just saying, Hey, this is what we'd like to do. And, then you go do it and you, you start it up and you, you put your, you put your hard labor into it and invest into your parents and your parents invest into the program and kids find success. And it's a real positive. I think that's always, you know, a, a common theme of some of the high school guys we've had on. And if, if you're going to have a program that sustains itself for years to come and it's a process, it's not like instantly we're going to get all this right now, but if you have a goal in mind and you have a, a, a way to go about it. And the biggest thing I found out, if you just ask, people want to yeah. help you. They really do. They want to show support in the community, and they like to see the, the new turf going in the bullpen or something. And and it's it just, you know, if there's any young coaches out there to realize that, that this is a this is not, not everything's going to be thrown at you all at once, but if you work at it and it's a process and you enjoy the process along the way, that's how facilities turn out to be the way they are. Oh, yeah. And it's, you know, it's, it's like what we talk to our kids is that we always want to leave something each year a little better than we found it. You know, and, and, and the nicer it gets every single year, it becomes a little bit tougher to find it, to leave it a little bit nicer than, than what you left it. And so I think that's a valuable lesson that, you know, we try to instill into our kids is that, you know, a huge piece is work ethic and taking pride in your facilities. And, and this is your house, you know, you know someone's going to come in here and play you, you, you got to get after it. You got to compete. You don't want someone coming into your house and, and destroying it. So, um, let's invest in our time. Our kids all know that they have, they have, they have yard work. Um, it's, you know, after every game or, um, everybody has a job, every practice, everybody has a job. Um, everyone's got a weeding section that everyone's got to handle. And so if, if we do it as a collective group, it becomes an, an easier task, but it, it, it is a process to build that all up. And for, for new coaches, for them to understand that, you know, I, when I was at, at Sprague and for, for 10 years, we didn't, we played in a city park. We didn't, we had to put our fence up, take it down. Um, we didn't have, I mean, football played in, uh, in, in left field. That was a practice field. Center field was a soccer field and right field was the, mar where the marching band was. So our, our outfield was chewed up, you know, pretty bad. So we'd have to go out there and do a lot of physical labor to, to get it dialed in. And take care of it and we didn't get anything really for 
you know, eight years. And then we finally started breaking some ground to be able to start, hey, some some headway to hey, let's let's invest in this or let's try that. And we were primarily just concerned with our our playing surface. I mean, I remember some windstorm hit there and blew the whole dugout off of the dugout went flying out and into the field. And so, you know, there's little projects that come along that you got to fix along the way. And, and, and that's something that here at, at I've been a that school district, the facility is actually a part of the school district. And so with that being said, we just have to go through the district as to, Hey, let's, this is what we'd like to build. Are you on board with that? And of course they're, you know, bless them. They're just like, as long as it doesn't cost us any money and then we own it at the end. Okay. So that's, that's our trade-off is that we build it. We do all the work. We raise all the money. It doesn't cost them anything and they get it. The school district owns it when it's over. And so, um, but it, it, it has been a process and you, it all starts with a vision and you just throw it out there and this is what I'd like to see. And people get on board and different groups have different skill sets so that you can knock off different pieces of whatever that vision is, but take your time and be patient with it. Absolutely. I love the fact yeah, of making the kids do their, uh, do the work. Cause I think one of the most satisfying things I had is when I had a senior come back when practice was over or he was, he graduated and came back at freshman year of college and he started to put rakes away. And I was like, dude, you don't do that no more. Like that's, <laughs> but it was really cool to hear, you know, to see the wave of guys that are going through and the build that. And then that was just a really, it's a cool thing that the kids need to learn. Oh, a hundred percent. And I think in the older kids, when we start the, start the season, okay, the older kids have to show the younger kids how to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then not only do the work, but when you're done where everything goes to be put away, right. you know, cause the last thing I want to do is go out in the shed and <laughs> all of a sudden I open the door and I'm getting toppled over by a bunch of rakes and different things. So it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's real important because I'm there as much as anybody, if not more than anybody, um, as every coach knows, um, you're going to, you're, you're part greenskeeper. You're, you're, you're the lawn maintenance guy. You do all the work. And so, um, it's, it's surround yourself with coaches that are willing to help and that understand that task too, that, uh, you know, occasionally, you know, someone might have to leave or might have to jump out early as a coach. But other than that, you know, we have to finish things off and we have to take care of the field, but, the kids need to take ownership in it. It's their place. Mm-hmm. You know, coach, we use a slogan there at prep is many hands make light work, you know, and just like you're saying, the more hands you get involved, the the faster you're going to get done and the less strenuous is going to be on each individual, you know, and that's the thing is that's what makes the team unity so magical, really. I mean, it's part of playing the game, but it's the stuff before and after that really grows that atmosphere. So that's good. That's it's neat. And, you know, another piece of trying to get people to buy into things is, is we try to do, you know, different appreciation type nights, you know, for either if there's a business, if there's a business that, that raised and, and did a lot of money, it's like, Hey, bring your, bring your company. You know, we, we appreciate that. Bring, mm-hmm. bring them into the game. Cause we charge a gate here and in Oregon, we never charged a gate, but in, in Idaho, there's, there's a gate, they charge people to come in. I'm like, wow, that's kind of interesting. So um, let's take advantage of that. And so let's, the people that do donate and, and do different things. Hey, let's have, you know, a certain business night. Um, we try to have a teacher appreciation night to where the, the teachers get to that each kid has to pick a teacher to come stand on the line and listen to the national anthem with them. I think that's, that's neat to that's cool. build whatever sort of uh, camaraderie you can with the school to get people invested in your players as well. And in your program, not just the athletes and their parents. Absolutely. Well, Coach, let's jump into the Summit Theme Stretch portion of this podcast. 
And the first subject I want to cover and talk about with you is something that's even more, it's been on my mind. I won't say I've lost sleep, but I've, I've lost a little sleep thinking about how we're going to do this, you know, pending the season actually happens this year. But on a traditional year or even on what upcoming COVID year, uh, hopefully we're having this. What are some of the points of interest that some of you you guys focused on on a daily process through your practice planning? Practice plan wise is we have a, a, a structured type deal that, um, you know, it's we start slow and we walk them through bits and pieces each day. But as we get rolling into a couple days into it, they know the routine is we start right at this time. You know, as soon as you come through the gate, you know, from the outside gate, you're jogging, you're jogging everywhere you go. Um, you know where your stuff goes. You put it up, you get ready to go, you stand out. Um, if you're a pitcher, you're going to go and, and even a position player, you're going to go do your band work pre-practice. So get here early enough to get that stuff, you know, taken care of. Um, once you get here and you get that stuff going, boom, seniors, get people out there and let's go get into our stretching routine. Um, we get through our stretching routine and as soon as that's over, we have a thing we call EDDs, which are everyday drills. And so our outfielders break off into one section, our, our infielders, corner guys together and middle guys together and pitchers are over there working on their, their, their footwork. If they're a PO, excuse me, uh, for picks, um, and you know, whatever, getting off the mound, whatever, or mental approach, whatever we got them focusing on, on those days, it's their EDDs. They got to do them every single day. It takes, um, you know, if you're just an example, if you're a, uh, a middle infield guy, you're going to work little short hop picks, backhands, forehands. Um, you're going to turn to the side. You're going to work on your foot transit, your, your foot transition. You're going to work on your short hop pick and pick and go. You're going to work on your turn feeds with each other. And so you're just going to find a spot and you're going to work on that, you know, five, five to 10 minutes right after we get done stretching. So in the first 15 minutes of practice, we have gotten a load of reps of skill work that then allows us to go into practice. And we want an upbeat practice. I don't, I'm not a big fan of just standing around. It's too cold and I'm getting too old and it's, a, we got to get moving. And so we, we have to, to do things. We have one field and three teams. So we have to divide our time and we have to be productive when, when we do get our time. Obviously the, the older kids get a little bit more time on the field per se, cause they know how to take care of it and different stuff. And they get, they get the drills, but the older guys teach the younger kids how to do the other things. And then they hold each other accountable to it. Um, because they know if they're not doing what they're supposed to, then we, we do a certain thing, you know, positive affirmation, you know, so means we're just going to run a little bit more, or we're going to, we're in a condition to get our brain sharp so that we have energy and we do those different things. And so we try to teach it in a positive way. Um, and then once we get out to practice, it's, you know, middle guys, we're going to, you're going to get a slew of ground balls. We're going to, we're going to work on feeds. So many feeds, we're going to work the middle feeds right at your feeds. We're going to work, uh, to the, to the hole and you're going to work all your double play work. Um, third baseman, you're going to work your, 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 your short hop to the left side. You're come through to short hop and you're gonna do all your footwork on the field type stuff in the dirt. Um, and first baseman's you're getting picks. You're going to toss each other picks and you're going to work picks, backhands, forehands, every which direction. Then the next thing you know, we're going into, into, into short grounders and we're working our footwork and our transitions. And, and it's, so it's upbeat, constantly changing things. Um, um, every, every five to 10 minutes and the kids know what the drills are and they know what the expectations are and they know how to get moving. And, 
then they compete against each other at the same time. So, you, you know, you pit two guys and, you know, how many feeds can be right on the chest, you know, so it's right on the money, you know, how many, how many picks can you make at, at first base, you know, in challenging each other. And then, so they, they get excited about the opportunity to be challenged and not the fear of failure and they want to compete. And I think that's an important aspect. Um, you know, and then we'll get into whatever it is for that day. We, we might take, we might take in, uh, works on cutoffs relays. And when we're doing cutoff relays, we're working one, one group working to second base, one group working to third base or and to home. So it's like everybody's doing something. And so we're working on either tossing the ball up, get behind, boom, you got to work on your, your, your throw to home plate, or, you know, you got to get around this ball and get it to second base before, uh, you know, the, the guy's trying to stretch, stretch a single into a double, but you better be paying attention. You better know where to go. Or you, there's a good chance you might get clocked with a ball. <laughs> and so um, we don't want injuries. We've been blessed so far to, to, to not have anybody get down. Maybe we're just not accurate enough with our throws early on, but um, the, the kids buy into that and they understand the drills and they under, understand the upbeat tempo. And that, you know, if we're working hard enough in practice and we don't have to condition a ton at the end because we're doing it all at, at practice time. And if practice is hard and it's upbeat and it's fast paced and we're doing everything we're supposed to, then game time is just gravy. We get out there and we just get to play. We get to enjoy it. We know where we got to do and what we got to do. Um, when we hit a lot of times, we'll, we'll set up to where we're either working soft toss, short toss, T work, and a person's working right side. Well, the right side of our infield is working too. Um, so they're working on taking, taking ground balls and, you know, making reads and pitcher on the mound covering first base if need be, you know, and, and outfielders are working on getting on jumps coming in and getting balls. And so everybody has kind of a job. So you get extra repetitions also in BP. Um, then you got a group working on the left side of the infield and, and you have them doing a similar type thing to where maybe, Hey, you're going to turn double plays every single time. So the extra second baseman is, is standing at second and they're flip-flopping. Uh, their role. I mean, you got, you got to have enough safety screens as well. So give yourself an opportunity to protect the guys at the bases, but it's, it's an upbeat tempo. The guy hitting soft toss or short toss, he's getting swings. He's working on getting his hands through the ball, working line drives. Your outfielders are working on getting jumps and, and getting reads, cutting off balls and learning how to read balls in your outfield. Your infielders are getting jumps. Um, and you do right side, left side, right side, left side, right side, left side. And you're just alternating back and forth and you just rotate your people through. And it, it's a neat, upbeat, quick tempo that we can get a lot of reps in a short period of time. Um, then if we ever are going to hit, let's say just because we have a hitting facility, so we get extra hacks in there and then we want to bring what we've learned in the hitting facility to outside and we want to, we want to drive balls and it's, you know, we, we, we create a point system and we, and we compete when we hit, you know, it's like you know, your first round, if you get in 10 swings, you got 10 executions, how many out of 10 can you get lowest man on the totem poles, fence and back, you know, it's just, just different types of things. So they have to compete. They have to learn to execute and understand that there's an importance to these executions. Um, we have a huge slow slogan that we constantly say is he who executes wins games. He who doesn't gets executed. And so, we don't want to be the person that's constantly getting executed. We want, we want to win games and, and we want to be able to do the little things that it takes. And we want to take pride in our job, whatever it is. Um, you know, we, you might have a guy that's, you know, that's on the bench. He's a phenomenal bunter and you know, he's going to come in and bunt and he's going to be able to execute. Cause you know, he's going to be able to get that ball down and his teammates buy into him and they know he's going to be in 
that's an avid role for that kid to be a contributor to your program. That's a huge success to be able to just move runners. So our executions rounds are, are huge. We have competitions and then we, we constantly hit cone to cone. We put them in left center, right center. We're trying to hit gap to gap. We're trying to drive gaps, drive gaps. You know, we don't have, you know, a lineup that can constantly deposit the ball over the fence. So we have to, we have to hit gaps and we have to run. And so, there's always a group running the bases on those types of days. So where they're getting reads and they're learning how to, how to get reads on balls. Um, if we are blessed with an extra amount of POs, you know, they get to learn early that college life is shagging. <laughs> so they go out and they back up the, they back up the outfielders and they get to do, do those different, different types of things. Cause the outfielders, when we're hitting that way are working on getting jumps and, and making plays um, infielder or the, the running group is working on, uh, base running guy at first guy at second guy at third you're reading the ball at the bat you know and put yourself in situations and they know what uh all those situations are and so they get three reps at each base boom 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 throughout the season now you've just you've just given yourself an extra hundred reps in every or thousand reps in everything that we've done in hitting fundamentals just by having an upbeat practice and you know we, we try to get through it fast and furious just for the simple fact is that we want our other kids to be able to use the field too um, without destroying it. So that's, uh, it's, it's a huge emphasis for us to have structured, disciplined practices that are up-tempo. Yeah, I think the, the greatest part about that is, is you're creating a lot of chaos at practice. And you talked about kind of that fight or flight situation where you can know what's going on or you can get hit in the back of the head with a baseball. And the nice thing is, is, you know, as you get into a game situation, we always talk about the game speeding up, right? Especially some of those younger guys, the game gets really, really quick on them. And, and I think that the more you can have that chaos and movement and variety of practice, they're used to adapting on the fly and being able to do a bunch of different things. And I think the other part about that too, that you mentioned is, is all those drills, all those things that you mentioned, they could be easily manipulated to work on something different. Right. You have the setup, you have the system, you know, and, and maybe instead of hitting ground balls to the second baseman, maybe we're hitting, you know, line drives to the outfielder, whatever it is, you can manipulate drills. And that's the fun part of this thing about coaching, right, is that you have all this variety and stuff that, hey, we're lacking in a certain area. So let's manipulate this drill a little bit. You're not changing your setup, not changing your system. You're just changing the the task for that day to work on something that that might be deficient on your team at that point in time. So I, I love the more chaos, the more movement, the more action. I'm a, I'm a huge fan and believer of all of that. It's awesome. Great to hear. Uh, I'm with you 100%. Just put them in, put them in. He used to be in uncomfortable is, is kind of this thing about, I mean, that's the way baseball is. I mean, you can strive for perfection, mm -hmm. but you'll never be perfect. You'll never be perfect. It's, you're, you're going to try and be at the top of your game every single day. I mean, we talk about it a lot as, hey, today we're, we, we want to play the perfect game. Well, what's the perfect game? I mean, you, you're never going to have a perfect game, but you can get as close as you possibly can, and you're going to set yourself up for success and get a lot of Ws if you can take care of a lot of the little things. And so a lot of these hitting drills and uh, EDDs that we do every single day help us to take care of those little things and help us to grow to get, to get better so that maybe we're not the, you know, on paper – the, the most physical or, or the dominant team, but through effort and through understanding and, and work ethic, hey, we can compete and gives us an opportunity to be successful. And that's that's what we want to get every day is every time we go out there, we want an opportunity to take care of business. You know, that, that was one thing I was very fortunate 
going through the coaching minor while going to Central here. And uh, the one thing they made us do during – I took a football coaching class, and they made us go to a football practice at Central. And I was like, well, okay, whatever, you know. But I went out there, I'm like, oh, my gosh, this is what controlled exactly what we're talking about right here. But if, So if a coach is listening right now thinking, well, how do you do that? Go, go to the fall to a, a large high school, go to a, a local college team, and watch how they structure practice and the practice plans. And the, if you have guys standing still, that, that's a problem because you can get creative whether you have enough coaching staff or not to create this. Because like Kelly said, it's, it, it'll, it'll make things so much easier when it's just the nine guys come game time on the oh. field. I agree. I agree. And, and structuring it up and getting the kids to buy into it to where they hold each other accountable too. to where I don't have to be the constant, whatever policeman that says, Hey, we need to get moving. You have kids that are going, Hey, you guys understand what we're doing. Let's go, let's get moving. Let's take care of business, focus up. And so, you know, developing those leaders and those kids that, you know, not only be successful on the ball field, but in life too, because they, they know how to take charge and they want to help people succeed. Yeah. You know, coach, I like that when you see that senior address to that freshman, Hey, you need to be moving over here, you know, and that freshman kind of real, you know, green and not sure where to go in, in these kind of structured drills, you know, and that, that creating that, that chaos there, you know, and, and that's really neat to see those things take place. Uh, I want to ask you though, do you stay with that same intensity uh, even leading up to a, a day before a game or do you guys kind of shift things down a little bit so that you guys are a little bit more in, you know, a game mindset um, but, or do you guys keep that same intensity all the way through up to the day you play? We, we would keep the, the similar type intensity, but we might tone it down for the, okay. the longevity of what we're doing because we're, we're going to add other aspects in, you know, day before game. And when we play, you know, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday here. So your basic practice days are, are Monday and, uh, sorry, Monday, Wednesday. And so, and then maybe on a Saturday, come out and, and work on, on some different things. So there's a lot of stuff that has to be, yeah, that has to be covered. And, you know, you get a lot of this stuff done in the preseason practices, you know, the first, I think we're allowed 10 before we start into the games. It's like, wow, that's, it's not very much. And so um, I, for the life of me, I don't understand why we only get 10. It's, I mean, and we're so our practices are so dictated by what the weather's like outside. So what's wrong with giving us, you know, 20 days to, to a little bit extra because we might not be able to get things accomplished because of the way the weather is outside. Um, and it's only good for kids to be help prevent injuries. So that's, that's my plug for uh, getting in, getting more practice preseason. But the nice piece is, is we set all those drills up, we set up that intensity. And then that way, you know, pregame days, we can say, all right, let's get after this drill and let's boom, let's hammer it out. Let's get after it. Let's compete. This is what we need to beat this team. This is what we need to focus on. This team that we're playing on, this is what they're known to do. So now let's take them out of their comfort zone by being able to take that away from them. Um, and so, and then just getting your kids to buy in, you know, your, your pitchers, you know, obviously in high school, you got to have pitching. It, it, it's a huge piece is being able to pound the zone being able to execute, being able to, you know, not fall behind or, or not, not load the bases up and then give up one hit because you walk three and then you, gave up a knock and it's now you're down three. It's like getting those guys to buy into their, their mental aspect. And they're over there on the side when we're doing a lot of these drills with the pitching coaches, you know, but we have a lot of multiple pitchers position guys. So we got to take care of their arms and you got to, you got to balance that out too. So they get to do their drills. And so there's times when you have to tone down certain throwing and you have to work a lot, little bit of the mental stuff, depending on you know, how kids arms are. And that's another piece of being able to develop that, 
that rapport with the kids so that they feel they feel good to be able to tell you that coach I might need to tone this down just a little bit um versus maybe a kid that comes in every day and every day he's got to tone it down every because he's like, I'm constantly hurting da, 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 and so then he doesn't want to tell you um so building that relationship building that rapport with kids so that you can tone down those intensities of practices or throwing in those expectations so that because you want your kids feeling good you want them to go into success without feeling oh man we're not very good we're not doing a good job we're just going to get thumped tomorrow well yeah you are now because you created the mindset for yourself that you're going to get beat um you need to have that mindset that says hey i can take care of business we know how to do this so even if it's just going through mental reps for certain kids and just maybe not throwing because maybe they're they are a pitcher that shares you know two jobs um you got to be able to balance that out as well coach i'd love to hear about your uh just kind of offensive philosophy, your mindset. You mentioned a lot of execution stuff that you guys talked about being a huge part of your offense. Do you do you set your offensive plan based on the kind of personnel you have for that given year, or or does your system kind of remain pretty well steady within there? You know, how have you found it most successful for the teams that you've had to manufacture runs and and win games offensively? I think the the big piece is, is being able to understand what kind of what kind of hitters are your players and them understanding their roles as a in the lineup, what their job is and going through that uh, that lineup expectation, if you will. You know, you, a lot of times you get kids that are like, oh, man, I bat in the bottom of the order. And it's like, it's like, you know what? I had an all league. I had an all league player at Sprague High School that led the league in RBIs batting out of the batting out of the nine hole. Because he constant, because he was good at driving that right center gap, and so the middle guys would get on, and they would get two strikes on it. He'd constantly just drive that that ball the right center gap, and he'd stay on it. And that's how they everybody just kept pitching him. And so he said, you know, coach, like, hey, you know, I'm doing pretty good. You think, think maybe I should move up the lineup? And I'm like, yeah, no. <laughs> and so, and he's like, well, I don't understand that. I said, well, dude, you are killing it right now. You are getting us all these runs, two out hits, driving, turning over the lineup, and 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 scoring runs for us. And, and it's huge. And he's like, I like, do you want me to move you up? So you get him a little more steady diet of breaking balls and sliders and changeups, or do you want people to keep coming at you with the heater? He's like, <laughs> I really like the fastball coach. And I'm like, so let's just be happy right where we're at. And he's like, all right. And so he ended up being an all league third baseman, you know, or, and batting out of the batting out of the nine hole, lead the league in, in RBIs because people just kept challenging him and he just kept delivering and he did, he could take certain pitches out of the equation for himself. And it was a great, huge success for us and an attribute to the kid to say, Hey, all right, I'm gonna put my ego aside. I don't care. I'm, I'm in the lineup. I'm batting nine. I'm leading the league in RBIs or, or I'm right in the top. So um, being able to get our kids to understand that piece in the order and I think as a coach, you have to you have to understand your players too. I mean, if you get a whole bunch of guys that can leave the yard, well, you might not have. You can probably play for the long ball a little bit more. And uh, but if you have a team that's really fast and they're gap hitters, then you're going to want to put pressure on teams, you know, by by laying down bonds, drag bunt, push bunt, stealing, getting balls in the dirt, hitting gaps, and running all for days. And so, understanding your team, I think, is is a big piece. And you know, we want. We practice it a lot too, ball in the dirt and the expectation of, cause that's free base, you know, mm -hmm. learning to read that thing, learning, learning to get to accelerate your lead into the blind spot and get a good jump on a, on a pitcher that's being lazy or a high leg kick guy. So we work on a lot of those things too, to, Hey, let's get moving. 
let's we want speed we want speed on the bases and and then we want to run for days and keep pressure on people but I do talk about executions because I think it's so important because that puts a lot of pressure on other teams and other defenses. And it puts a lot of pressure on pitchers too, that, you know, they have to think of more about, you know, okay, I got to be prepared for this or that. And okay, if I do this and um, it just puts pressure on defenses and it allows you to give yourself a better chance to succeed. Now, if you're not very good at executions, then you look really bad at it because your button ball is right to pitchers or you're getting thrown out running bases because you're not doing a good job running the bases. Um, but, you know, I would, I would be happy to have a, uh, a, uh, a one through nine that could hit the ball over the fence and we could play long ball all day long. That, that would be great. But I just think as a high school coach, you're just not, you just don't have that. If you get a couple, couple, two or three in a lineup in a year that can, can deliver that, then, Hey, you know, let's set the table for those guys and let, let's go to town. But understanding what your role is. I mean, I had a, last year I had a great little leadoff hitter and that he just, no matter what, he just found a way on base and he just fight off pitches, da, 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 like all day long. And then he'd get on either a hit or a walk. And he was just a scrapper battler. And then the next thing you know, if you made one little high leg kick, he's gone. He took second. Mm-hmm. Um, it was ball in the dirt. You're going to bounce your curveball. Yeah. Think about that. Cause now I'm going to take second on you. And then he'd take second. And then he would see the pitches and he'd read the catcher and he'd know what's going on and boom, he'd take third. And so next thing you know, we got a cheesy ground ball and we're already up one zero because mm-hmm. this kid knew his role, knew his, knew his job and he understood um, what was going on. And then the two hole guy wasn't too far behind him for doing the same thing. And then we had a three, four, five guys that could just drive the ball. So it was understanding your role in the order and understanding your job as an, as, as completing executions. And there comes times when, you got to give yourself up to hit to the right side to, so that we can pile on an extra run that makes a team feel a little bit worse, that it's a little bit tougher coming coming back, you know, four or five than, you know, two or three. Yeah, Coach, I think that's really key is playing to the strengths of their players. You know, I think in a day and age we have coaches that come in and they have this particular model they want to follow, and every, one through nine has got to be that kind of style. You know, not every player is going to hit the same way. Not every kid's going to run the same way. Not every kid's going to pitch the same way. But, you know, I think of what it makes a great a coach great is by playing by the strength of his players. You know, and you say you got, you know, 18 kids in that dugout, you're going to play to each kid's strength so that you get W's on the field. And if you play it right, I mean, one kid may, you know, hit with his arm out. One kid might, you know, have a long, you know, wider base. One kid may, you know, come through the ball a little bit different. One guy may throw off the mound line, it's more of a three quarters. And that's the key is, is, is a lot of it is, is trying to figure out the strengths of your players, you know, and then just adapting that to your, as a strength, as a team and going out there and, and getting the W's. And I really think, you know, in competition, you look at teams are really well coached to the strengths of the players. You're just like, wow, those guys are good, you know, and it's just that that coach understands what he's been given and he's playing to those kids strengths. So I think it's a, it's a huge piece learning them. It's like, it, it's tough to always put the uh, square peg in the round hole. Yeah. You know, if, if they have to be able to do what they can do and build upon those strengths so that they, they're a contributor to the team, you know, your foundational skills are a lot the same, but we don't try to clone hitters. We don't try to clone pitchers. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, different pitchers have different arm slots. Not everybody's identical. You don't just throw out the same guy over and over. So it's, it's important to be able to find out what, what, what your kids can do and do well and then build on that and push it and then find out what their weakness is so that we can really work on that. And that's something that we talk to the kids about too. It's like, okay, what's, I always, I always ask them, okay, what's your weakness? And they're like, what? 
Like you don't know what your weakness is. <laughs> you should know what your weakness is. What, what do you struggle with? Well, I struggle with, you know, this particular aspect. So why, why don't you work on that at all? You know, it's, it's, it's good that you spend time working on your strength. That's good. But should we work twice as hard on what our weakness is? So that way we're more even killed and we don't really have a weakness. Okay. But you got to identify that weakness first. You got to know what you struggle with. I mean, if, if you're pulling off breaking balls, okay, how are we, how are we going to work on you keeping that front side in and working back up the middle and, and spinning the cap so that you're not just constantly, Oh, sit down, strike three. So it's an important piece. So let's take it a step further because you know, this is a, a one of the first coaches means I have every year is okay, what do we got this year? What, what kind of offense do we have to structure this? And then sometimes the buy-in's not always there because coach, why would I want to, Coach, I can hit the ball. I don't want to bunt for, you know, put the small ball and things. And so what is it? Is it is it letting the kids figure it out, failure on their own, and then getting them to buy in? Is it meetings right off the bat? What is it that you're doing to really sell it? If you I mean not to make the kids buy into the process of what this team's gonna take to be successful offensively. Well, I think a lot of it is just, you know, talking talking to them and getting them to understand that this is what we're trying to achieve. Mm-hmm. And this is what your strength or what you bring to the table. I'm not saying you can't hit. I'm just saying in this particular juncture, you, if I want you to drag bunt, you're going fair foul. And let's say it's, it's a guy on, on, on first. And I want you to drag because I know you can. And if you get thrown out at first and the guy moves to second, I'm pretty sure you're, you know, our score keeper is going to mark you with a sack. You know, and so now you're instead of being 0 for 1, you're 0 for 0 and moving forward. And now you get another hit in the game and now you're going 1 for 2 or 1 for 3 versus 1 for 4 or or 0 for 4. So Mm -hmm. there's things that you bring to the table that put pressure on teams and taking pride in that, being able to push bunt. You know, there's there's a lost art of that push bunt, reading reading that second baseman cheating too far over to the base and the first baseman holding the guy on and just being able to push it into no man's land. And now there's two guys on base. Now the next guy's bun, you know, and now we're our whole goal is to turn over the lineup. And, you know, the last I checked, if if we can find a way to score more runs than the other team, we're gonna win a lot of games. And so that's the pressure that we want to put on people. And if you're giving yourself up, that that's a huge, that's a huge accolade that you're a team player. You're invested in the guy next to you. This is a brotherhood. And so you're setting him up. He gets a base knock, two runs. And now when they people talk to him, they're like, man, if Johnny wanted to lay down that bunt for me to get two guys in scoring position, I want to have an opportunity to drive in too. So, you know, hats off to him too. So it's a team game. And getting those kids to buy into that. Um, there's There are kids sometimes that it's, they, they go to do their execution, if you will, and it's kind of like, wow, that really wasn't a very good effort. And it's like, um, let's just call timeout. Let's have a little chat here real quick and say, hey, are you? You're doing all right. You're understanding the importance of what we're trying to accomplish right here. We really need you in this situation. We're piling on a run. You know, it has nothing to do with, I know you're a little frustrated today. You're, you're over three, but this is a contribution. Mm-hmm. This is a huge contribution right here. If you putting pressure on another team, getting on, you might get on base, but moving a runner and setting us up for a W and that's, that's a huge piece. And that's part of the, part of the stuff that, that we talk about in, in the, you know, when I talked about those, I believe cards, you know, one of those, those, the beliefs is I believe in my teammates. Um, and so you have to know that sometimes you have to be the setup guy to set your teammate up to believe in him to get that done. Or your teammates believe in you that you're going to execute it so that they're prepared to step up and, and knock the next guy in. So it's, it's, it's a total team concept wrapped around individual efforts, but at the same time, it's, you know, buy into each other and it's, you do want to be a part of it. Or, or you don't. It's, 
it's it's important. You know, everyone has a has a skill set that they bring to the table, and let's let's build on yours. Yeah, I think sometimes you know we look at our roles, and if they're not the guy, you know, you know, in the four spot, you know, I'm not as important on the team. And I and I think that you know, as a coach, explaining that, you know, sometimes the guy just going up out of you know, like you mentioned, coach, you know, coming out of the dugout just to get the bunt down is huge to the success of that W in advancing on, especially when you hit the playoffs. I mean, the, just the tiniest things, especially I think of Dave Roberts with the Red Sox in 2004, you know, coming in as a pinch runner. He was a pinch runner for all of that, you know, and he sat that whole series pretty much, stole first to second, got in, and then they scored and they won. I mean, that was a, such a small part of it, but it was a huge part in the pivotal of the Red Sox winning the World Series. And I think that we kind of, sometimes I think coaches miss that line of communication. It's like, yeah, I know I'm using you. Oh, I'm, you know, I, I got out and that's all like, you know, huh, you know, but it's like, no, like you did what we needed you to do. And that's the reason why we're moving on to the state finals tomorrow night, you know? And so it's, uh, it's important that we utilize those, those, uh, that communication, you know, with our players. So, and make them realize that. And we try to take, you know, one through one through 16, I think the, I think we had 20 guys on our team. So one through 20, we're all valuable. Mm-hmm. Like you need to understand that your piece when you're called upon is valuable, mm-hmm. you know, and some people push other people in practice, you know, to make everybody better and it makes you better. And, but there's going to be a time when you're going to be called upon and you're valued. And so making and getting people to understand or players or teammates to understand that, Hey, you're valued. It's just because you're, you're not starting this game, you know, maybe you're a defensive specialist to play later. That That's a huge role. That's a huge value. You know, take pride in putting on the uniform. It means a lot that you get the opportunity to do that because there's a ton of kids that, you know, when I first started, we didn't have to cut. Now we kind of have to. Um, and so that's that's good and that's bad. And it's, the I think, the worst job, I think, for any coach is having to tell some kid that, look, you're not going to make the team this year. You don't get to play. Um but we try to keep as many as we can and, and value as many and, and hopefully they develop and they can find, cause you never know what's going to happen with, with injuries or different things. And, you know, people go into this year, if you know, Oh, that kid came down with COVID and those your four starters are quarantined. Well, better have someone that can go sub in and play. So it's important. It's an important aspect to, to build as many as you possibly can and, and, and have them be a part of something special. Yeah, I think the biggest thing, I mean, you, you, what you've hit on in, in, in my impressions, just, just hearing you talk is is always, and we've talked about this probably 50% of episodes, is always being able to teach the why, you know, why we're doing something, why we bunt, why we work on dirt balls, you know, why the nine hitter is important, why you're still in the nine hole, still getting fastballs. I mean, there's a reason behind it. And I think we can get in traps sometimes with, telling to do something or forcing to do something just because we think that that's how things should be taught. And and I think the people that really care, that are really passionate about the game are able to break it down in a level that really understands that, that value system. I mean, us as people, as individuals, there's a value system. We want to be wanted. We want to feel like our contribution is helping. And, and by just telling and, and making a kid upset and not telling them the why the purpose um, for him to be there, it's easy for those guys to be let down, you know, and, and I think forcing things sometimes can cause that to happen. But if you have that rapport, you have that conversation ability with guys, 
you can constantly teach something, even if it's the most crazy thing in the world, a circus act, whatever it is, if you tell them a way and show them that that's the most important thing in the world, like they're going to, they're going to run through brick walls for you. Um, but you have to have that rapport. You have to have that trust and that's earned, right? You, you don't just team, just don't walk in the door and automatically like, all right, we trust in you. Like you got to show them, you got to show them a reason why you can be trusted. And once, once you can do that, um, it's amazing. It's amazing. The, uh, the, 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 the walls guys will jump through and, and it takes time. It takes time and it takes effort for sure. No, no doubt. No doubt. And try and spend as much time as you can, you know, building that rapport with them and that understanding it's, it's, it's interesting too, because it's probably a whole nother episode. It's kind of like the older, the way I used to coach when I first started versus the way I coach now is it's had to adjust a lot because the way the stringent and the way you were at the beginning probably doesn't sit so well with, with, uh, kids nowadays. Cause they're a different, they're a different type of different type of kid 20 years later. So, um, a lot of similarities, but there's enough differences to where you, you too have to adjust, um, as, as a coach to be able to get the most out of, out of kids as well. So you can learn from them just as much, you know, and I, I love asking the kids, Hey, what do you see here? What do you got here? All right. I'm gonna put that in. I'm putting that in my tool belt. So that a little bit later on, we're gonna pull that out. Remember you, you told me, you know, you got a great read on this guy. And, and so now we're in later in the game. All right, let's do it. Let's turn you loose versus let's steal that base. Let's take that bag. Let, let's risk it right here because I'm buying into you that, that you feel that you've got a, you've got a great jump and you've got a great read. And, and uh, I think, I think that's an important piece and, and kids feed on that. If, if, if you buy into them and they, and they go and do something or get share information and you put it into play and it works for them, they're like, yeah, that's an extra contribution. So it's, it's a neat thing. You can learn from your kids as, as well as the information you, that they learn from you. I think you're right. That could be a whole new podcast on the evolution of coaching and the kids and not making the excuses that they aren't what they used to be. Well, it's, it's our job too, to reach the kids, right? I mean, that's job as a teacher, job as a coach. And sometimes you just got to evolve and make it, make it work. Yep. I mean, you think about it, there's, there's, there's pitchers. You, you make the walk out there and and some of them, you can go be stern and firm and challenge them. And that's how they, they respond. Some, you have to go out there and just love them up a little bit. Just give them a little coddling. It's all good. It, it, It doesn't mean one kid's any, any less of a competitor than the other. It's just, how they react to situations and how you handle them in that situation to help them to be successful is, is a matter of learning how each kid's emotional status is and how they, how they can get the most out of themselves. So it's, you know, it, it's, it's funny. It's, you know, you come back to the dugout and oh, so what'd you tell him? Oh, I just chewed his butt a little bit and he's, he's fine. And cause, cause he's going to like, I'm going to show you coach. And he's going to go compete. That's him. What did you tell him? I just, well, I went out there. I told him, you know, he's looking pretty good today and you know, everybody loves him and he just needs to go pound the zone and get us out of this. And he was like, Oh, thanks coach. And now he's relaxed and he went back to competing. So, you know, different things with different folks, those private conversations you have with kids, but it's all about the rapport that you create with those kids as well. Absolutely. Well, coach, as we start to wrap this thing up, we really appreciate you being here with us. What's the, what's one last message you just want to reach out to our listeners right now? You know, it can be whatever you want. Wow. Huge message. Yeah. No pressure. Um, I think that <laughs> the biggest thing is, is that we're, we're COVID has kind of maybe taught us that the things that we love can be kind of taken away from us. Mm-hmm. Um, and baseball to me has always been it. My paver for everything that I've done. It, it, it's my, my sanctuary. It's my, 
it's my my place to go to to find peace um but when you don't have that you learn to appreciate it maybe just a little bit more and you learn to understand that you know that that value that athletics has for kids and being able to be appreciative and having the opportunity to be a part of something is is really a a, a big deal um don't take it for granted go work hard leave everything you got out there every single day. Don't, you know, empty the tank every day because it'll fill up again tomorrow and just be a sponge, absorb information from different people. And if different people are telling you different things, you have to apply what works for you um, and be able to, people don't dislike you because they're giving you information, you know, they're coaching you up, but just be appreciative for the fact of what people have been able to give you, your parents, you know, giving you the opportunity to play, um, your community for helping you support facilities and um, your, your, your school, your staff, your, your friends for supporting you and go out there and just take advantage of that opportunity and just be appreciative and love the game because it's such a fun game and it teaches you more than just being a good athlete and a good player. It teaches you how to be a good person in life. And, and that's huge. If you can take that away. That's a perfect mic drop to wrap this thing up. Coach, thank you so much for taking time out of your Monday night to get on with the Fungo Banner and talk some baseball. And just thank you so much. Well, thank you. I appreciate this. Was This was awesome. I'm, I'm honored to be a part of it. Thank you. Appreciate that. Well, Jason and Kelly and I will be right back in the bullpen to wrap this thing up. <laughs> All right, we're in the bullpen to wrap up another great episode of the Fungo Banner Podcast. Jason? Yeah, guys, it was off. great tonight um, having Coach Champion on. Um, you know, I, I what I really took of it tonight, you know, I was talking about playing, playing to your uh, player's strengths. You know, I think it's so key for a coach to communicate that to their players, you know, and, and utilizing their strengths, uh, on the field. And, you know, I think that's the, really the big differences, uh, between a, a, a you know, coach to being a great coach, you know, and I think that it's, uh, it's taking those times to evaluate your, your players to, to see where they, they all fit in. And just having that line of communication is, is huge. And, you know, the things that he's been able to do at Centennial as well as at Sprague, it's been phenomenal. And, uh, you know, he's a winner in my book, you know, and, and I hope that a lot of people took tonight took that away. And he definitely is, is a, he's a grinder and uh, he loves his players and he wants to get out there and, and uh, he's got a tremendous passion for the game. And, and that shows in what he demonstrates on the, onto the field and with his players. And it was just real special, uh, uh, great opportunity to have him on tonight and, and discussing those things. But uh yeah, I think that's all. I think that, you know, as, as a young coach, you know, it, it's pretty much you're looking for the big guy for the big fly, you know, and it's a, uh, or, you know, the big arm on the, on the mountain. And it's just playing to those things to utilize your players to your strengths to, so that you can get the W's and move forward and, and try to get to that state title. But uh, yeah, it was great tonight, guys. I really enjoyed it. The part that I like to cover on is something that it's a goal of mine during practice is, to make sure that everybody's moving and there's nobody sitting still. And it, it looks like if someone were to walk up, they're going to think, oh, my goodness, what's going on? And that's something that I feel like he's got dialed in. And, you know, he's fortunate enough to have three teams. And, and we're a small school. We only have one. And the years I have that, it's like, man, this is awesome. And, and to find that that's a, that's a 
such a pivotal part to running a good practice, I feel like, is having organization, spending the extra time just to, to plan it out so that there is no lag time or someone standing still. And, and you know, even like for us, I love turning the music on, blaring it, and having the kids create throughout the havoc of practice. You know, we have someone on the dial so that we can like, talk to them when we need to turn it down, but just creating a good atmosphere, a busy atmosphere, getting work and getting it done and creating that mentality, uh, blue-collar work mentality, I guess is what I like to think of it. And, and I, th- I think that's awesome. And uh, I, I think that's something that all coaches should strive for. And and it's a lot – it's kind of an art, I feel like. Yeah, I think you know, early talking about – talking about routines, if routines of practice planning um, and if expectations are, are pretty clear – um, guys understand going into the day, you look at a practice plan. I think that's an important thing too, to make sure those things are posted early, you know, don't, don't let your guys just show up to practice for, you know, five minutes before and try to rush to figure out what's going on for the day. Um, the earlier you can get that information out, you know, the more prepared they're going to be, you know, mentally, we, we try to do it middle of the day, give them a few hours to look at it. They roll in knowing what, what's going to go on for that day. And if, if you've taught your drills well, they understand that flow, that order of things, um, and that that creates a lack of downtime. You know, you're going to be able to fly into the next thing because guys know what they're going to do. They'll start leaving their bats in the right place. They'll um, pick each other up. They'll, they'll communicate with each other, know what they're doing um, to kind of be able to work that efficiency side of things. So, you know, it's not that it has to be the, you know, the world's greatest practice plan or even a ton of detail within it. But if, if your guys know what the drill sets are and, 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 you know, how they function in that, that way, it, it just makes practice flow, you know, so much easier, you know, and, and, and guys will mentally prepare, you know, our guys will know if certain things are on the practice plan. It's going to be a tough day. Like we're going to be running. Um, so I better hydrate here a little bit more. I'm going to have a, you know, an extra, extra granola bar pack or whatever it is, but, they, they have to, they can't be any surprises. If there's surprises and they're not comfortable, they're not in a good environment and there's going to be breakdowns from that, from that standpoint. So very organized guy, you know, he's, he can tell he relates with his players well as a plan, as a system, you know, and the most impressive thing is that, you know, in, until, I don't know if it was off air or towards the end of the episode, he first that I knew that he had, you know, been a second round draft pick and played professional baseball. Like this is a guy that, you know, mm-hmm. truly cares about the game and teaching the game and, mm-hmm. you know, Really, really great to see that out of someone that's achieved great success within a, a playing career for himself. So, yeah, great guy to have on and another great connection, another person uh, in our Northwest realm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. The Fungo Banter family grows. We're excited. Another great night, another great episode. Uh, we truly appreciate you guys listening, tuning in. Please share the word with whoever you think. Pick pick a buddy, send them a text saying, hey, I heard about this podcast give them a listen give a share on the the social media we'd really appreciate that and we appreciate the people that have been and we will be releasing the winner of the coaches giveaway here in the next day or day or two day or two um but like we always ask please get on itunes give us a rate and a review that truly appreciate that helps the word of the fungo banner podcast get out to more people can see us thank you to our sponsors safeguard the tri-cities and thank you to devo bats right now Fungo Banter 10 as on the checkout for 10% off any fungos, bats. A great time to order your fungos for your coaches. Surprise them when the season starts because I have a feeling baseball is going to have a pretty good opportunity to happen this spring, no matter what state 
or region or COVID going on right now. I'm feeling optimistic, fellas. So we're, things are going to be all right here. So, well, guys, another great episode. Thank you so much for being here. Take care of one another. Let's get back to baseball. Pacific Northwest Bungo Banner is part of the Big Country Media Podcast Network. Check out all episodes anywhere you can get your podcast. And for you iTunes listeners, please get on and give us a rate and review. Keep up to date with us on Facebook at Pacific Northwest Fungo Banter and on Twitter at Fungo Banter PNW. Fungo Banter Podcast is powered by Devo Bats, the official bat and fungo of your Pacific Northwest Fungo Banter Podcast. Go check them out on all social media platforms and at DevoBats.com. Fungo Banner is also powered by Safeguard out of the Tri-City. We are proud to have them on board with us making the Fungo Banner gear. Guys, local company out of the Tri-Cities, please go online, check them out, trysafeguard.com for all your printing and advertising needs.